The last two times I've shared, we've, de we've dealt with the Father's heart and the orphanos, the orphans. And you got into some depth with that. And the word last week in dealing with the compassion, which you ministered at as well today, a continuation of it. Uh, I, I made the prophetic statement that we're going to have multiple people this week that we're going to run into people with an orphan spirit. As you went out and ate, spent time with, with family and neighbors, friends during the, the uh, Thanksgiving season, I've had three people already call me now to this, this point to tell me that they actually had those encounters. At least three of you already that I know of. And if anybody else here has had that encounter in the last week, I'd like for you to contact me and let me know. Uh, just because uh, it that pumps me and builds my faith up when I uh, speak something out because I don't ever know what's going to happen here. But the exciting thing is God is dealing with people that are orphans and drawing them in right now and doing a work in them. We're going to continue in this same vein today. And this is a weapons of mass destruction part, whatever this is. And it continues dealing with the Father's heart, how he moves in us, and especially with you in leadership, but it's, it's going to be inclusive of the whole body. Whether you're here today, whether you're at home watching, whether you're going down the road, whether you're listening in a podcast in Germany, it doesn't matter. God is going to use you and the principles are the same. Uh, the, the word never changes. He doesn't ever change. Yesterday, today, forever. It's going to be valid. It's going to be on. And it's going to be uh, something if we walk in, we're going to see fruit that's going to be born forth as we uh, are faithful to it. Now, today, it's always fun. Uh, how often do I communicate or do we communicate, uh, Lauren, back and forth before the service, and I tell you what my message is, and you tell me what your song list is, and we, we collaborate on where they go together. Do we ever do that? Never. Never. The lyrics on a couple of songs today, lay it all down. Lay it all down. In other words, get your agenda and your junk and throw that to the wayside and pick up his. A replacement, the better. The best. Here's my heart, Lord, with no reservations. Another part of a different song on the lyrics that we sing. And today's title is A Soldier, Athlete, Farmer, Professional or Amateur. Now, most of us, and I know this because I've walked in it for years myself, in my relationship with God, I can, I can, can approach this as a hobby. I can approach this as something that is the number one most important thing in my life, period. Nothing else allowing it to be put in, in the place of that. That's called idolatry. As an amateur, I'm going to look at it as a hobby, and I'm going to do it just whenever I want to, at my discretion, how I want to do it. It's going to be something I'm going to enjoy doing. The stuff I don't want to do and don't enjoy doing, I'm not going to touch that. But as a professional, I'm going to work a process I'm going to take it step by step. I'm going to sell myself out to be the best I can possibly be in every area. When I have weaknesses, I'm going to find ways to cover those up. But I'm going to play to my strengths on what, whatever it is, whatever endeavor it is. If it's in business, as a, as a pro basketball player, whatever. As a, as a, a professional, I'm going to have to, to train myself to a high level before I ever get on that court on that playing field, or go out and, and open that door for that business that's going to set me apart to where I can compete at a high elite level. Now, we're called as professionals. Mac, you should be a professional Christian, are you? Do I walk at that level where people can look at me and they know, they know that I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that that individual is a believer, that that individual is a Christian? In 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, Paul was uh, getting close to the end of his, his life here in the flesh. He knew it was. Not many years or, or days later, however, whatever time frame you want to believe that these books in Timothy, and 1 and 2 Timothy were written, he did got, die and got to be with the Lord. But it's, he's made this statement right here. I want you to look at the way this is worded here. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. I have fought a good fight. You see, I've been a soldier, and I've gone to battle, and I have fought the fight, and I fought that uh, battle in uh, that fight to win. I finished my course. I have run a race here as a 
seasoned athlete. I have prepared myself. I've walked this through. I've, I've uh, run the race. I've timed myself perfectly to where I could hit that finish line ahead of everybody else. And I have kept the faith. In the Hebrew mind, anybody that was a Jew that read this, this word kept would immediately jump out to them in the, in the Hebrew. That's the word shamar. That's the word, I've taken every seed that God's given me, I've prepared and broken the, the, all the ground up for the seed of finances. I've been faithful with those. The seed in my heart, the word of God, I've been faithful with those to plant those where God has wanted me to plant them. I've been faithful with the seed in my body. I've not been running around and hoard them. I've been sowing into, and for us that have children, sowing into them, knowing what God has given me and my family, that there are blessings on us that will go through a thousand generations. I may not see it in my kids, but I sure am going to see it in my kids' kids. It's going to come because I've been faithful and God has spoken that over us. This is what Paul's saying right here. I've been a, uh, the best soldier I can be. I've been the best athlete I can be for Jesus. I've been the best farmer I could possibly be with the seed he's given me. Now I know, I know what's coming. When I got to be with the Lord, he's going to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. How many of us want to hear that? Everybody does. That day's coming. Death is a, is a set appointment that we're not going to be able to get around. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. That means I'm in right standing with God. It means it's already there for me. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And I certainly love him appearing. I love to see Jesus in each one of you. I love to see Jesus in me as, as I grow. I love to see Jesus in my wife and the other, others that I, I'm around. I love to see God increasing in them. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 5, it speaks about this a little bit further. And if a man also strive for masteries, we'll get back to this in just a few minutes. This is dealing with somebody that strives as a professional athlete. Yet he is not, uh, not crowned except he strive lawfully. The key here at this point is, yes, I'm going to be a professional athlete. I'm going to run the run, the, the, the race, the way you want me to run it, God. Now, the theme here and what we're dealing with, this is not just normal Christianity 101 during this season that this book was written. Nero was destroying the church. Jesus has raised from the dead. Satan raised up a man called Nero who he possessed. He began to go out in and, and, uh, every wicked way and brutal and cruel way to destroy a group of people. Nero was actively pursuing that. There were Christians that were good friends of Timothy as this tribulation and this trial and the pressures and the stress of everything going on in the culture were right on this young man's shoulders. He was seeing his friends die. He was also seeing many in the church, many of them that had been his, standing right by his side who were bowing the knee to, to, uh, to run away and they were leaving the church and going back into paganism. That's the scene and sets the, the stage of this whole cultural situation when this book was written. And knowing that and seeing where we are today, this gives us some insight into what we need to be doing. I'm going to read another scripture here that even brings that out even further in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And what I'm going to talk about today is normal behavior. What I'm going to talk about today is the standard set by what this word says. Not the standard set in grandmama's church that I grew up in, not set in the denominational church, not set in the traditions we've got here necessarily. Not all traditions are bad. And my, my life, is it living according to what this standard is here, or am I falling short of it? Verse 15, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave yourself in the house of God. So this is how we're supposed to behave. This is the reason that the books of the epistles of Timothy, first and second one, were written, so that they would know how to behave themselves in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar, where do you stand? And the ground, where is your foundation? This is what this is talking about. How are you going to stand in such a time as this? 
with the false teachers and the false doctrines and the suffering, the per per uh, uh, perseverance that you've got to have from the persecution and pushing on through that. You've got to be faithful in life to Him, faithful to your destiny. Am I doing that to the fullest? Let's go over to 2 Timothy again. And let's get back into chapter 1. Verse 5. He's encouraging Timothy, Paul is, in this writing. Most likely he was in Ephesus. And we know that all hell broke loose against the church there and at one point. But the church continued to grow and survive. But verse 5, as is, is he encourages him, he brings us to Timothy's remembrance. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, okay, that's first generation, then your mother Eunice, so that's second generation, I'm persuaded that in you also. So here's a third generation blessed person. The, the mom, the, the grandmother and the mom for sure had walked in God's ways. So the blessings are beginning to manifest at an even higher level in that third generation. Don't forget the, the pattern in God's Word and why we're doing what we're doing. So here's the fruit. 35 years later, after Jesus has already risen and gone to be uh, in, in heaven, this is the, it's the time frame we're looking at here. So this young man has been sown into in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Verse 6, Therefore, wherefore, since you've got this faith going on, you're, you're, I mean, you've got it in you. You've got the goods. You've got the DNA. I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. The picture here is Acts 13. The setting aside of somebody that's called to be sent out or to be established in ministry. But it doesn't have to be applicable just to somebody in, in the five-fold ministry. I want everybody to understand that. This is for all of us today as a believer and what God is calling us to walk in. And it's all-inclusive of all of us. Really, be, I guess you could look at this, and, and it, it's talking about maybe three different things depending on your perspective. The first thing is you are chosen for a specific task. These men and women that were prophets and teachers, when they prayed over this man, they got a download from God and said, yes, this is the one that's been raised up to be the man to set in during the middle of this persecution and all hell breaking loose in this area, and he's going to be able to stand and lead the people, and they're going to make it from where they are to the other side. He's done the same thing with us because, Lane, you could have been born back in 1864. You realize that? Anywhere in history, but God chose to put you here for such a time as now, and it's not just by chance, son. There's a task that Lane Starling, that God has given for you and chosen you to do something. It's true for each one of us. I'm not just picking on you. could be any person I called in here and it would be true. The second thing that this could be referring to, that you're, you're a man who's been entrusted with something, you're a woman who's been entrusted by something that's very valuable from God. Laurie, I don't know what God has, has chosen you for, but you're alive for such a time as this, and the pressure and the stress is on, and there's a task that's very valuable that only you can do in this season. How valuable do I, let me word this a different way, how much valuation do I put on the call, the election, the giftings God has actually put in me and in my life, personally? How do I value it? Do I value this as being one of the most precious and valuable commodities in the universe? Because it actually is in God's eyes. And I will be held accountable. Laura, you will be held accountable for this. Lane, you will be held accountable for this before the living God. We all will be. It's not something we can shirk or get away from. And then there's possibly a third thing that this, this could mean and, and be in reference to, and that is Paul is saying, Timothy, I want you to be true to your name. I'm going to encourage you, but I want you to be true to your name. Tim, uh, Timotheus. That, his word, or his name in the Greek, literally meant honor to God. Honor to God. The Jews understood that every name that somebody's given and called by, the names of God. They are a picture of the character of that individual. Elders, stand up, please. We have some elders at home. Y'all not going to get out of this. I'm not going to ask you to stand up at home unless you want to. But the, the question I have for you today, 
Are you an amateur or are you a professional? Which one are you? Are you an amateur or are you a professional? Are you being true to your name and who you are? Bruce. The name Bruce means a thick brush or a thicket. Isn't that cool? You used to go out doing all these, what you call it when you went through the woods? Was a cruising timber is when you were in the timber industry. You can't make that up. It also means a protector, a great one before God. Are you protecting the sheep? Are you making yourself, making a great name for God where he in turn is making a great name for you? I want to encourage you and exhort you because this also means to be strong and mature, a strong and mature Christian in his sight, in his name, in the way that you walk the walk. Pastor Bill, where are you? Bill, William? William the Conqueror, you've heard that before. Also means helmet, the helmet of salvation, a man of thought life who speaks forth the word based upon what God has put written down. Determined, a resolute protector, a strong helmet and strong covering for the body. Is that who you are? Walking that name. Birmingham would be somebody that is a, a people of a farm or a homestead. Also, as a young man, a protector and a warrior goes in with that name, meaning too. And then Pastor Linda. Flexible, soft, beautiful. The picture there is coming from the inside out, allowing the flow of, of the living God to come out from you and to impact people as you watch over the homestead and over the farm. Perfect match for such a time as this. God didn't just put you all together at random, but for this time that we're in right now to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. We all have to be together on this, as we'll see when you get into the, the principles here of being a, a soldier and how this plays out. Linda, I'm sorry, Ben. Ben is not here today. Okay, for myself, I can't get out of this. I've got the same responsibility. God is my judge. That's what Dan means. I'm also a gift of God. Congratulations, guys. <laughs> my middle name, I brought that in because I didn't know it for the other folks, but Charles means a warrior. It means an army. Also, the, the name Lane means a pathway. So I'm God's judge, or this was one aspect of it, but he is my judge. I'm a warrior as I lead as we go down this straight and narrow path that God has given us to go down. My wife, she had, she's uh, literally, Harriet means, and actually is a derivative of Henry. I never knew that until I got into this. It means power, means a ruler. Again, it's a picture of a helmet of salvation that's there. It's also a meaning of a ruler of the home or of an estate. And ruling in the aspects of covering here in the house would come in for that. Terry Lamb, harvester. Harvester. That's what Terry means. Lamb is the keeper of lambs. Who would have thought? So a harvester going out and bringing them in and taking care of them and tending to them. It also means being gentle and inoffensive in dealing with them. Chaste behavior is also part of that. Are you walking that? Are you becoming more and more professional in this and growing in it? Joe May, God will increase. And I've seen God increase this man over the last several years especially. It also means the last name is Pearl. It means child of light. So we're seeing great value beginning to increase. And I've seen your influence in the community increasing as well. Although there is one aspect of this. The word may also means bitter or rebellion. So be careful. You already know that. I thought it interesting that that was one of the meanings here. In this, and I, that's not rebuking you. You're just, just observing what we've observed over the years. Jacob Mose means to follow, to be behind the Lord, to follow him with all your might. Mose means... Uh, Peat, the peat area. Swamp dweller? Really? They're draining the swamp, man. Oh, well, okay. I don't think they're talking about you. I really don't. Mose actually is a derivative of moose. It can be. And it means a big, strong man. And I've seen you grow and be a strong man in the Lord as you continue to follow him and heading up prayer for this body. Deborah is the honeybee. The honeybee. Always diligent at work. It also means the word. The word. 
be a strong speaker and deliverer of that word. And the, the, the sphere of influence is increasing now beyond the two to others. Expect that increase coming. Fran Murphy, free man, free woman, means Murphy is a sea warrior coming against behemoth directly in, in uh, dealing with that demonic entity. It means strong, it means superior, being strong in the Lord and walking in that perfect liberty of Christ. Jeremiah Pugh, Yahweh will raise your appointed by God. That's good. That's good. I like that. And then the word pew means son of. So are you rising up? Are you appointed by God? Can people see that? Are you a son of God to the fullest? Lauren means sweet of honor, sweet of wisdom. It means honor and victory. That's fitting for a worship leader, isn't it? They just want him to work victory. Amen. Philip Sater, I know you're watching at home, means a lover of horses, warlike. Are you the warrior God has called you to be? Sailor means a boatman, which you would expect. It's just a different uh, way to spell it. A rope maker, a cord, means triple uh, braided cord. There's that unity aspect that comes in in God's word. It means leaper or dancer, to be a worshiper of the living God in a warlike state being one of his warriors. Boatman, you surmise that for yourself, what that means, in the triple-braided cord of coming into unity. Angie means messenger of God. Messenger of God. Eric Strong, where are you? Okay. Eternal ruler, brave, ever-powerful. Strong man. That fits, doesn't it, the way uh, the name's strong. So a strong uh, leader. Being brave, overcoming the fear that factor that's out there. Stephanie, garland or wreath. That's the overcomer's wreath, the overcomer's recognition, the crowned one. Dealing with every uh, aspect of hell that comes against you and overcoming it. Are you doing this? Is that who you are? And then Albert Hammock. Pastor Hammock's not here, but I'm going to go ahead and read his. Noble, bright, intelligent, a dweller near the oak tree. The oak tree is symbolic of righteousness. So I want to encourage you, brother, I know you're listening today, that, that you become the most brightest light, the most intelligent person around as you continue to walk in righteousness and holiness. That's the, that's the, uh, the walk God's called for us. Are we going to be an amateur in this? Are we going to be an also-ran amateur? Uh, I'm sorry. Are we going to be a professional or an also-ran amateur? And just do it as a hobby, partially. You know, we may not lose our salvation. We may not. We might. If we, if we get disgusted enough and, and turn the other way and reject Jesus. I don't think that's going to happen with this group, though. I'm going to be the professional God's called me to be. Amen? Everybody in agreement? Amen. All right. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and be seated and continue on in the Scripture here. This is going to be the number one thing that's going to keep us from doing what we're called to do and walking in who we are. In these names. Verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given me courage in, on the other side of that, which would be to walk in, to do what we're called to do for such a time as this, in spite of the fear we're feeling. But a power, I'm filled with Holy Ghost. Of love, I got the Bible stirring. Compassion's there. And of a sound mind, I've got the mind of Christ because I'm renewing my mind. So I'm going to walk this out the way that God's called me to walk it out. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. So we see that there will be some afflictions there. And I've got a testimony to carry out there. Again, the purpose for writing this book, that we may know how we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God, the church of the living God. Now to be as a soldier, an athlete, or a farmer. So let's talk about being a soldier here first. In chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, and we're going to uh, go back and forth over to chapter 9 in 1 Corinthians 2 as reference on this. Verse 3 in chapter 2. Now therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Good would be beneficial it would be someone who's going to uh, make a big difference, uh, an influence with other people. 
then verse 4, No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. So God's co- uh, called us. We've been chosen to do this. This is something that, uh, that happens whenever we get in tribulation. And athletics is awesome in this respect. We get out on the court and we're playing basketball or in football. If somebody hits you in the mouth, Jay, you go up for a rebound and they do it intentionally, you know they just did it, You've been, they've been jawing at you the whole game. What do you want to do when they do that? Yeah, you want to pop them, don't you? Crisis brings out character. It will bring out the best and it will bring out the worst in us. And that's going to be the same thing as a soldier. And I think everybody here can relate to what uh, Jay was just showing with that fist coming up. That we want to do that because that's the flesh. But, but there are ways God would have us to do what he wants us to do. Either you're a pretender or you're a contender. Persecution was on, but yet we're God's battle axe, and we got to walk this out the right way. Enduring hardness means this. It means being in partnership and dealing with wicked suffering. Being in partnership. Everybody hear that? I'm going to read that again. There, thus therefore, or thou therefore, endure hardness. You're not a soldier who's out on a mission by yourself. You're with a group of other soldiers that you have to come in together with and walk through and endure whatever the hardness is that you're dealing with. It's literally what that picture brings in the Greek. No man is an island to himself. In fact, you will not survive this season if you take that, stack, that, that stance and approach. It's going to be very difficult for you too if you do it. I think it's going to be more rare than, than it has been in the past. Again, be in partnership in dealing with wicked suffering. And that's going to be in a partnership with the believers and with God. Join with each other to face vile, wicked men and demonic devices. Push through regardless. Push through regardless. Our way of doing that is going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the inner man, the inner man here. And in the power, the dunamis of Holy Ghost being in my heart too. That's what enables us to stand. And then it gets into the armor. And the armor literally is nothing more than relationship and standing, knowing who I am in Jesus Christ. My identification is in Him. I'm going to think like He thinks. I'm going to see the situation the way He sees it, and I'm going to act accordingly. That's the helmet of salvation. I'm going to believe in faith that He he said that not one hair on my head is going to be touched. I'm going to hold that shield of faith up, and the fire darts of hell are not going to come in, even though the accuser of the brethren is telling me, oh, you're foolish, man. You can't make it through this. The, The beast is going to consume everything. You're doomed. But that's not true. That's not true. Shield of faith. How about the sandals of the preparation of the gospel peace? How I walk my walk. I'm walking the same way Jesus walked. Am I looking back and seeing those, that fire that's behind me and people getting saved and healed? That should be the, the norm because I'm carrying that gospel of peace out and sharing it as I walk, you see. What about the girdle of truth? Am I a man or woman of integrity? And just as Jesus was uh, with the spirit of truth on him, am I walking with that spirit of truth as well? See, I'm seated at the right hand of God with him. I can walk in the truth that he tells me and shows me through this word and when he gives me downloads, when I walk into situations. How am I evaluating that, that situation? Is it according to this word or is it according to what the world says? The mind of Christ, you say. Walking in that again. The helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword, using the word, even as I read that scripture a little while ago, as the sword. And we can't forget the breastplate of righteousness. God's redemption. I'm forgiven. I'm blood-bought. I'm covered by the blood. I'm walking in his eyes with a white garment on, a white robe, because of the the salvation of Jesus Christ. Everybody listen for just a second, because this is important. Don't allow the deception of the flesh convince you that you're okay, ever. The only way that we walk in the righteousness of Christ is by the price that he paid. I'll never be good enough to make it in. 
Oh, if you start thinking that way, you're going to stumble because you're going to get arrogant, thinking you're going to be able to stand when you can't. You've got to stand in his righteousness, not your own. That's where my identification is, you see. Now, how am I going to stand and wage war? Number one, do not be afraid. In this season, when you feel fear coming on you, you need to stand up, you need to look it right in the eyes, you say, fear, I rebuke you, I put you beneath my feet right now in the name of Jesus. If any of us in this room have not been feeling fear over the last six months to eight months, something's wrong in your, the way you're put together in your system. Because this thing is crazy. It's been a crazy year, hasn't it? A demonic year. We've got to deal with the fear factor and get that out of the way. That's what uh, Joseph was told by God himself and by uh, Joshua, actually, I'm sorry, and by Moses. The second thing, no. Everybody say no. You know the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. So do not be afraid. Know that the battle is the Lord's. Third thing, take. Everybody say take. Take your position in Christ. Know who you are. Know that he's paid the price. You're valuable in his eyes. There's hope for you. The power of the Holy Spirit's in you for a reason for such a time as this. Know Take, stand. Stand still. Quit running around. Have faith and trust God that he's going to do what he's going to do. And there's a time and a place where we just got to get our hands back and just, just wait and just see what he's going to do. And then watch for the victory. I'm watching for the victory right now, guys. I am actively looking to see breakthrough come forth. Number one, do not be afraid. Know that the battle is the Lord's. Take your position in Christ. Stand still and then watch. That's how we wage our war. Part of that will be worship. Part of that will be prayer integrated in there at different times by yourself and with the, the other body of Christ members. But I'm called to be a full-time warrior. I'm called to be a full-time warrior. Every one of us should understand these principles of warfare and grab a hold of them. So let's go into the second professional aspect we should be walking in. And that will be in... Uh, Verse 5, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. We know that we run a race, we're going to run it according to the rules, or we're not going to win at all. And in this case, we're looking at uh, the word strive here. That's athlesis, and that literally in the Greek is a pro-athlete. It's one who is totally committed to the mental and physical training for competition. Training for being the best we can possibly be. You're taking advantage of the Bible college. Taking advantage of discipleship. Taking advantage of uh, the discipline of daily prayer and, and uh, digging in this Word just to get the Word in us. Not having to study to, to teach or do something like that. But to get this meat, get the bread of this Word in us. Because it's, I want to. It's so good. And the more we do that, you see, an athlete has to be very careful in the diet that he eats, you see. Because if he's going to be an Olympic runner, he can't go out and be eating down at uh, DQ between meals. Not going to happen. I like DQ. DQ is good to the flesh. Blizzards were from God. From the, I mean, that was back in the garden, right? I don't know if they had a DQ stand there in the garden or not, but they should have. It's good stuff. Good stuff. But it's not good for the flesh. It's not good for the flesh and what it puts on you. Now, you've got to be careful what you eat. What am I eating? What am I eating? Am I eating CNN? What about my soaps? Got to see my soap every day. What about going down to the barbershop, guys, and or out in public and the people that you knew from high school and you sit down and start talking to them and they're cussing and they're talking about uh, running around and all this other stuff. Is that what I need to be eating? No, I need fellowship with believers. I need to be in the Word. I need to be worshiping. I need to have those, those uh, discs or uh, downlines or downloads coming in on the services off of YouTube. Whatever it is I need to get, I need to be consistently feeding myself with the, the right type of food, the lean meats, the vegetables, the right balance of carbohydrates, 
where I can run that race and have enough energy to make it without stumbling and not be able to get across that finish line. Say, I'm a professional athlete. I'm going to have to pay the price on that. I'm going to have to train myself. I'm going to have to be disciplined to get in. And whether I feel like reading the Bible tonight before I go to bed, I make myself do this. Whether I feel like getting up early when God speaks to me at 3 o'clock in the morning, I say, oh, God, why did you do that tonight? You want to roll over. No, you roll back and get up and go in there and you seek his face of what he wants you to do. So it's a disciplined walk. We're warriors, but we're also athletes. I remember there was a, a, a situation for you guys, ladies, that were standing up. For you may be at home. We'd gone and we were, were on a, a ministry trip, and we had literally gone all day long. Got up really early. And we'd gone up to, uh, I can't even remember how many thousands of feet it was above sea, sea level. It's on the Mauna Kea. How, how high was that? You couldn't hardly breathe. We were up that high. And Holy Ghost fell in that, that uh, van when we were praying, and it was, there was a suddenly that manifested. And we're there. And if you ever get in a, a suddenly, there is a sapping of anything tangible of strength and energy in the body from you. And you're there, and sometimes you can't even get up and move. The Bible says that it was as one dead in multiple places in there where God came on different people in the Old Testament. And there's a reason for that. So we, we traveled all day, we, did, we were ministering, we, and we came back down the mountain, and it was beginning to get late. We hadn't eaten anything, and there was a leadership conference that we were supposed to be going into and ministering to. Some, some folks there that just didn't, you know, we're so blessed, they just didn't know what some of the things were that we could put, uh, put into them. And it was, it was glorious what happened there that night. But I remember we, we uh, had jet lag, number one. We'd been in a high altitude situation. Holy Ghost had fallen. And I was a sleepwalking person, if that makes any sense. Somebody had to just push me a little bit, and I, I could hardly function. So we got down, and we, we had to discipline ourselves because these people needed us. We had to pay the price and get out of the flesh. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't easy. It wasn't the pleasant thing to do. It was not what my flesh wanted. My flesh said no. But we went in and we ministered to these people. And I remember sitting there in that chair, and I was just about to, to nod off. And then it was my time to, to say something. Through the act of obedience, Holy Ghost fell on me. And it was profound. I listened to it as God was speaking through me. It was neat. I got, I got blessed as much as anybody else did there. For you that were on that trip, y'all know what I'm talking about. As an athlete, you've got to perform regardless of how you feel. You've got to eat the right thing. You've got to go through the right reps over and over to prepare your body to do what you need it to do when, the, when crunch time comes. Doesn't matter what it is that you're competing in. That's going to be in, in business or athletics, whatever, or in the gospel. You know, it says the word man here. Let me go back to this. No man that wars, verse 4. That's everybody, any person, anybody. Lawfully means to pray, to prepare yourself the right way before you ever get in the game and get yourself ready to go. Let me say that this is one thing here that will help you when you begin to realize this too. I don't want to get past this. We're still dealing with being an athlete. The vessel is enlarged by pushing yourself like Harriet did as a, as a swimmer when she was in high school and then when she swam in college. If they had the time up on the, uh, the wall on the opposite end of the pool where they were, uh, were going to dive in to start the race, she knew what that time was that had been the last, highest, best time she'd ever logged. That was motivation for her when she dove in to push herself beyond the way she pushed her before to get a new record up there, in which she consistently did that. That's, that's what we do as athletes. We try to become better and better and better and push back those, those uh, borders that we have. We will run into crises in our life. We will have different things that will come up, whether it's the death of a loved one, whether it's the loss of something that we cherish and have great value on, maybe a business, could be any number of things Everybody here has had hard times. The way we handle that, uh, that walk through that hard time, through the valley of the shadow of death, if we will push in there and understand that I am 
loved. I am cherished. He never leaves me or forsakes me. I can go to this word and I can find where there's something that's applicable, very similar to that situation. And what he says, this is how you need to walk through this. If I apply this and walk through that and get on the other side and look back, I say, yes, I wouldn't by myself. Yes, there is an answer in God's word. This, this thing called Christianity is the real deal. What will come next will be another crisis. Life has them, one after another after another. When I hit that crisis, I'm going to look back. Man, you know, he just took me through this one. And I'm going to walk through this the same way. Trust him. And lo and behold, I get years down the road, and I'll have things happen in my life now. I've been living for, uh, really truly for God, sold out since 1983. The stuff that I ran into back in 1983 that looked like a mountain just kept falling to sea. Because you see, the vessel's enlarged now because I've already enlarged it through practice over the years to get my, my vessel ready. Now I can handle a lot more, a lot worse crises than ever I envisioned. In fact, it may have caused me to backslide if I knew some of the stuff I'm having to deal with now back when I was in 1983 in fear. So this is part of our training. This is part of our preparation as God's athlete. Going further here to the farmer. 2 Timothy 2, verse 6. The husband that labors must be first partaker of the fruits. The husbandman is a tiller of the soil. He labors. He works the soil in the heat of the day. This word in the Greek brings a connotation of getting out and working hard in the heat where you're just saturated. You don't have one dry thread on, but you're going to keep pounding it and you're going to keep toiling. You know, the, the thing that's interesting about this, a farmer may have to walk in as much faith as anybody in any kind of profession that's out there. He's got to move in faith that the rains are going to come. He's got to move in faith that when he breaks that ground up and works hard at that, that it's going to be the right kind of soil. He's got to move in faith that the fertilizer he puts in there is actually good quality from the company that made it, and it's going to do the job that, that we need. He's got to move in faith that the seed that he puts in there is by a viable seed, and not all seed that we get at clean seed stores do uh, germinate. So you, know, you never know how many are going to come out, really, how many will and how many won't. He's got to move in faith that, that uh, the conditions are going to be right, and there's not going to be drought, that there's not going to be a lot of cloud cover for the, the plants that needs direct sun. A lot of faith is required here. It's called shamar. It's what we do with the seeds that God gives us to manage over. That I've got to be faithful to work this process of faith and work even in the heat of the day, even though I'm not eating any of it yet right now, with faith that there is a harvest that's coming. It's coming. The harvest is on us. How about it, harvester? Is it on us? I want to start calling you harvester. Is that okay? Amen. That's Terry, based upon her name. Working in the heat of the day, I sow, then I reap. I sow, then I reap. James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it until he receives the early and latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. Primarily, this is going to be the seed of the body, the seed of increase, the seed of the heart. What comes out of your heart, the mouth speaks. Who is my Lord? Who's my master? That's what that seed is. That's going to be impacted by getting God's word in me. It's going to be impacted by being born again, walking in consecration, walking in a place where I'll understand worship and not afraid to stand out and to dance and to worship God and be recklessly foolish as God's Word teaches us in worship. That's all directly related to what's going to come out here. The seed of increase is working hard, giving God all the glory, and it all belongs to Him, and I'm just a steward of what He allows me to get out and work with the hands He's given me to work with. An increase comes, and that uh, tithe is, is his right off the bat. Plus my is there, plus the offerings, plus whatever else he wants me to do with it. He's going to show me what to do. Knowing all the while that there's bread that's part of that. 
Part of that is going to be savings. Part of that is going to be seed to be sown. Then the seed of the body, again, raising up godly children so that the generations ahead to a thousand generations will be blessed from me handling the seed properly that God has given me to, to be a farmer over. So that's what this is dealing with. We're dealing with a soldier who knows how to pray and to make the stands that God's word he says for us to make. We're dealing with being the athlete that I'm going to push on through crises because I prepared myself beforehand and the vessels enlarged so I can uh, enter into and deal with these things head on without uh, uh, stopping or stumbling. And then the other part of this as a farmer is faithfulness with my kids, my children, my family, my work, giving like I need to give, being the uh, steward over what he's given me to steward over. And then the other aspect of that is what I put in myself that I'm putting in this vessel, that word that, that I chew over and it comes out of me, I worship. I'm an overcomer as a soldier, athlete, and farmer. I'm, I'm found faithful through this. Now what will happen as a byproduct is this. Three things are going to come forth from me being faithful in these areas. Second Timothy verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm going to be a workman. I'm going to be a co-laborer with God. No longer am I going to be content to sit inside the house watching uh, NBA basketball all day on Saturday and all day Sunday. Whatever it is that will take my time that will be frivolous amateurish activity. I'm a professional, you see. I've got a word to carry, and I've got a commission God has given me to carry this, and everywhere I go, I'm going to impact people around me with the gospel, because I'm his workman, I'm his co-laborer, and I've got the word in me, and it's going to be a fountain gate that's going to flow forth, and it's going to affect other people's lives, and people are going to get healed and saved, and there's going to be a blessing that's going to come everywhere that I go. Verse 20, in a great house, there are not only vessels. Everybody say vessel. Okay, number one, I was a workman. Number two, I'm going to become a vessel right here of honor, of gold and silver. They're also of, of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. These vessels in a great house. If a man therefore purge himself from these, there's the athletic aspect of getting all the garbage stuff out of my system and only eat good food. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use prepared unto every good work. So I'm going to be a vessel, a carrier of the presence of God everywhere that I go. And then the last aspect of this. Notice it's hard to have your eyes on yourself when you're co-laboring with God and working. When you're a vessel and you're carrying his presence, Holy Ghost is always doing this. He's always moving. It's hard to get your eyes on yourself when you're doing this. Same thing here on the, th the third thing that's going to happen in us. Verse 24. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. A servant. A servant. Bound the knee to other people. Serving them, eyes off myself, onto them. Being a giver, not a taker. Laying my life down for other folks. That's what I'm called to do. That's what Jesus did. We're all called to be like him, right? So that's what's going to happen in my life. Where am I right now? Let's all do a, 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 just an evaluation. Am I a professional or am I an amateur? Um, Lauren, you want to come on up, please? Am I running this race? as the soldier, being faithful to war, to endure the hardness, being in unity with those around me, or do I have this Lone Ranger type mentality? Am I an athlete pushing the end, running this race to endure it to the end that God has called me to run, eating properly, training properly, becoming the man and woman of God that he's determined for me to be for such a time? Am I the farmer? Faithful in handling these seeds God has given me. 
And what will come forth as natural is, is we can breathe. We will be that co-laborer with God. We will be that vessel that carries His presence everywhere we go. We will become that servant God has called us to become. So where am I in my life? Where am I? Let's all stand. This, by the way, is a father's heart speaking to a son. This is the opposite of being an orphan, by the way. This is somebody that's listening to what the father says for them to do and then begins to carry it out after the reestablishment of the orphan, bringing that mindset into order. Elders, y'all will come on up. have any need of ministry the elders are up here I want to invite you to come up if anybody has been dealing with the, the uh, pain issue in the ear the shoulder any, any th other area of healing that you need come on up as well but, but I want to encourage you if uh, you were in the DDT Berean meeting actually is what it was this was back uh, a month or so ago and I taught on uh, the aspects of being under the gifting of an apostle. And I felt like several in that group have an apostolic calling on their life. And I know several of you have come to me and talked to me about it. But of those that feel like you're called to be an apostle that are part of the DDT or deacons, I, I feel like God wants me to pray for you today if you'll come on up here. 
and especially in this season of determining whether you're going to be an amateur or a professional. You've got to, got to have a choice to make on that. So the, the rubber's meeting the road right now. This is the real deal. It's not a time to be shy about it, walk in pride. It's time to, to step on into what we're called to do. And that's going to be all of us. DDT, time for y'all to step into who you are fully, fully. We're going to have to with what's coming. So I want to invite you, if you're in that group, to come up here and stand right on Jesus. If you feel like you've got a, a calling as an apostle, come right here. Based upon those character traits that I shared with you that from God's Word. All right.
Glory. 